Hey, what's good, people? It's back. Sports Debate Tuesday. I believe it's episode 97. We're like three away from 100, so I felt obligated to try to get to 100. And, and listen, my partner in crime returning back from the Fight Inside podcast. This is Timmy B. The episode starts right now. Hey, got to give the people what they want. Welcome back. This is the the Option Presents Sports Debate Tuesday along with my man Timmy B. I am Jason DeBellis, and this entire episode will be dedicated to mixed martial arts and more specifically uh, um, and more likely the UFC. So yeah, for those of you that enjoyed some of the football pick sixes and some of the uh, well-known guests that we've traveled uh, that have challenged us for the pick six, today is me and the master from the Fight Insight podcast. We're going to dance. You ready? All Let's strapped in? <laughs> yeah, all right, we're hey, good. So let's start with topic number one. All right. So got got a little um um a little um how can I say like a little refresher thing, and we're talking about exciting divisions. All right. So um the cool thing about divisions is anyone that's followed the sport knows that this comes in cycles. Right. Uh, um, if we remember, there was John Jones when he won the title. There was Shogun. There was Hua, Rashad Evans. Even Quentin Rampage Jackson said that he was in the best shape of his life when he fought John Jones. Right. And, and, then, yeah. and then let's go to um, when Conor McGregor taught through the featherweight division. We had Chad Mendez was uh, um, we had Frankie Edgar. Jose Aldo seemed unstoppable at the time. And, and the lightweight division, I think we can talk about year in and year out. A division so strong that even Conor McGregor couldn't even amass a, win, uh, a, a positive win-loss record, right? He was, two, no. I believe he's two and three in a division. And, and um, three and four, if you count him fighting a, a, light, a, light, a lightweight in the welterweight division, and Nate Diaz, one of the more exciting fights of the year. So... But and even before the monopoly shifted, and I'm going to take you back, and you probably go back this far, before the UFC won the the kind of franchise wars. If you looked at the heavyweight division or the heavyweight rankings, six of the top ten weren't even a d division. I bring you Alistair Overeem. I bring I bring you Josh Barnett. I bring you Dan Daniel Cormier. Many of these fight fighters were in Strike Force or Pride. Of, of, oh, Fedor Emelian, you know the the king, yeah. Fedor Emelianenko. So, so my question to you, and um. We're actually going to do one minute lightning rounds. Uh, I'm going to give you a whole minute of time to actually just explore. And then if, and then whatever happens between your minute and my minute, if it spills over, let's keep talking, buddy. Okay. Timmy B, sure. Timmy B, what is the most exciting division in terms of competition and galvanizing fights? Now, we, we've given this some thought. The floor is yours. What is the most exciting division in the UFC? You're going to get so mad and it's going to get canceled immediately. But... I think right now, if you look at the rankings of the different divisions, you get a lot of like, you think bantamweight is incredible because you got Sean O'Malley there and you've got, you know, uh, Aljamain and Marab and all that. You think that that's a great one, but maybe not. Heavyweight, mm, it's a little bit lacking as well, even with Jones as champion. You've got the lightweights, which is good. And it's always a solid, solid division. Uh, middleweight, very interesting with Sean Strickland as champion. But now that Adesanya is saying that he's taking some time away from the sport. We don't know where that's going to go. Light heavyweight definitely right now is not a great division. There's kind of some fluctuation there. But I am going to say that the most exciting division right now, which is crazy. If you asked me this in January of this year, I would have said, get the hell out of here. But I'm going to say it's women's uh, flyweight. What? Women's, <laughs> women's, hold on, wait. Women, women's flyweight. Yes. Because who the hell would have ever thought that Shevchenko would lose her title and then lose the rematch. I don't care whether you think that's controversial or not, but she lost the rematch. So now you've got a division that's wide open. And not only that, but I would say I had called for this person to be champion. I think at my end of year show last year, I said the prospect to watch out for was Manon Furat, who's from France, the beast. She's kicking ass, and she's right now ranked number three. You've got Aaron Blanchfield, who's just murdering chicks left and right, taking out prospects as well. She's ranked number two. Then you've got Talia Santos. You've got Shukagian. Fine, who cares about her? But you've got Macy Barber at number eight, who's a streaking uh, flyweight. You've got Amanda Hibas, who's, who's very good. And you've got the very marketable Tracy Cortez, 
who is beating everyone they put in front of her. So I think, you know, and Tracy Cortez is only ranked ninth, uh, 12th. And then my prospect for this year, who had, I believe I called it as knockout of the year for last year, Natalia Silva, she's ranked number 13. That's not including uh, Casey O'Neill at number 14. That division is stacked. All those fights are going to be incredible. Those women are gun hungry for this title and i feel like the women's flyweight division is incredible so yeah i know everybody's gonna hate me but that is the division i'm i'm looking forward to I, that that top 15 is all stacked i loved your and pick. it's fights we haven't seen it's fights we haven't seen <laughs> dude i loved your pick so much that i gave you extra time on that i was trying to sorry, sorry, i was sorry. trying to fix some i had a um i have a green screen so i had to go from lumi key to chroma key so and and so sorry for the um right, technical right. difficulties people but i think it's a very very um uh, a lot of people don't see that coming, but I think your your rationale is extremely clever. So with that being said, here I go. And I was really, really torn about this uh, between welterweight division and lightweight division. I thought me selecting lightweight was a little bit lazy because it seems like, that, you know, the most the more popular fighters and the more exciting fighters the last few years have been in that division. I bring you, you know, Conor McGregor. I bring you Dustin Poirier. I bring you um, Khabib Nurmagomedov the last few years. But we are talking about what's the most exciting division today. And it was a very, very razor close race because a lot of people are jumping divisions. But I still got to go light heavyweight. You got Dustin Poirier, who should be the champion. You got Justin Gaethje, who should be the champion. You have Bobby Green, one of the most exciting fighters in terms of galvanizing fights. And he's on, he's on a little bit of a win streak himself. I think his last loss was Islam Makachev, right? And he choked out Tony Ferguson and won his most previous one. So when you take all of those things into play, Dan Hooker, who's one of the better fighters in the world, doesn't even fit in the top 10 anymore, never, probably not even the top 15. You're talking about a division that's stacked. You're talking about a division that has fighters that 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 transcend the sport meaning people that don't know uh don't don't watch mma or know who they are and you're talking about uh, a division that's so deep that an undefeated fighter actually retired and it's still and it's still pretty strong <laughs> okay spillover first of all i love your choice when you said it uh, my instinct was i saw your face i saw ooh, it like, i said you what? know we do drug testing on sports debate tuesday you know that right so, like, let's <laughs> get this idiot out of here this guy's no good get him out but there's something about timmy b ladies and gentlemen when you're right on the facts you're right on the facts and and when you start listing off historical facts that and and um the, some of these fighters that got performance bonuses and some of these fighters that got fight of the night uh what make yours 125 right Make yours 125. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's how, um, my, that's also segue to, to our next topic, which I'm going to get into in a minute. So, I mean, I totally, totally get it. You know, you had, you had the former champion who, you know, who took Amanda Nunez to the, to the, to the hilt. And many people thought she won that first Twice. fight, right? Yeah. Uh, um, there, yep. are, there are a bunch of people that thought she won that first fight. I myself thought Amanda Nunez won, but uh, if she lost, I don't think anyone got screwed there. <laughs> you know, it's not like, it wasn't like a obvious is obvious. And, and she'd also yeah. submitted uh, Juliana Pena, who, who, who defeated Amanda Nunez. And, and, and she beat Holly Holm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Testing your sound. So your thoughts about me, me being the, doing the lazy pick of lightweight? <laughs> no, no, I don't think lightweight is a bad pick at all. I think lightweight is the division, of course, that is interesting. Um, I just think that in turn, for me, when I think of most interesting, it also brings into play fights we haven't seen before. And I think I feel like the lightweight division is a bunch of fighters that we've kind of all seen intermix and fight one another at some point. Mm -hmm. So although it's a, you know, it's 15 deep of just killers, mm -hmm. uh, it is it is 15 deep of killers that we've seen a lot of, whereas the women's flyweight has a lot of new matchups coming down the road. So I'm like, OK, these are fights that we haven't seen before. And you know, for a division that was so stagnant for so long, where everyone just thought, well, Valentina's just going to mop the floor with everyone until she decides to retire. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, all of a sudden, Ooh. this is interesting. This is exciting. And, you know, one of the things I always like is when someone loses, how do they rebound? So now, Shevchenko, you've lost two. How are you going to do against Aaron Blanchfield? How are you going to do against Manol Furat? Like, how are you going to do against these young and up-and-comers now that you've got doubt in your mind? Now that you're not impenetrable anymore, and maybe now that you're not carrying that title, could be a different ball game now. So I feel like everything's opened up, and that's why I'm picking that one. But lightweight, I love it, of course. And my man I mean, Bobby Green. I was going to say we're biased a little beat, bit. 
<laughs> he beat to- he beat Tony Ferguson, but he also just had his last win against Grant Dawson a couple weeks ago. Don't forget that twenty First seconds round. or whatever the hell that was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I made a lot of money off that. Yes, baby, Are you... that was a very profitable uh, win. Uh, look, call us prisoners of the moment, and call us biased because we love Bobby Green so much. But how could anyone even take a bet against that guy? <laughs> like right Yo, now, it was I mean, it was I mean... five to one odds or something like that. I got him at like a mm-hmm. like a plus five hundred or something like that. And I it think was crazy. You... You came in the podcast, and I was like, "How was your weekend?" And you're like, "I wanna be rich, oh, I wanna, I want money, lots and lots of money." It was, it was a very profitable. That that card was very profitable, man, for me. So I was very happy with that. But uh, no, no, that division is fantastic. Uh, lots of lots of good people. And I think that's that's definitely a solid pick for sure. At first, I think you misspoke and you said light heavyweight. And I was oh, like, oh yeah, no, this is a bad pick of yours. But no. then you said lightweight. And I was like, okay, and, yeah, and lightweight, I, we're good. And it's crazy. Actually, before we go into our next topic, let's talk a little bit about light heavyweight. And there was this it's the biggest roller coaster. I, I guess you can make an argument for heavyweight where it's exciting and then there's just this huge crash. It's almost like yeah. the strength a mother has to like pull her baby like lift a car and, and rescue her baby you know and lift the car so the baby can get out but then there's this this boom and yeah. i think post john jones we had that there was a huge disinterest on the light heavyweight division i did just yep they, they just weren't interesting fights and and you saw a lot of um cage chess in, in the division, yep. some some of the, yep. the more important fights. Uh, cage chess, for anyone that's asking, is when someone's pressing someone against the cage. And, like, MMA purists like me, uh, Timmy B and I know that they're looking for, you know, single leg, double leg, and trying to protect their face. And, 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 and But to some of the general fans, it just looks like two guys who are just wrestling against the cage. And, and out come the boo birds, right? You know, yep. I want my money back. This is the main event. This is five, round, five rounds of this. So there was a little bit of that, you know? Um Go ahead, Tim. No, people just claim, yeah, people just claiming they want their money back and uh, they were streaming the event. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. that's how bad it can get, right? So, so. Like, Dana, Dana, Dana doesn't like a movie. He's like, guys, I'm charging all these people more money for pay per views. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Do you yeah, want to be exactly. a fighter? Do you want to be a fighter? <laughs> I just like, yeah, do the I thing, need to get the thing is, again? yeah, yeah, man. The thing is, is that, you know, like, like you're very correct divisions will go in their peaks and valleys their ebbs and their flows and you'll hit it at certain times when it's extremely exciting and then there'll be like a little bit of a lull where you need some contenders and you need some faces too right like you can't have people that are not marketable Mm -hmm. so there can be those little periods of time and right now light heavyweight with with injuries plaguing the division with some people exiting and retiring and stuff like that we're in a little bit of a lull right now. So, but we've got plenty of other divisions to yeah. keep us entertained, plus other organizations, which we haven't even talked about. When you were telling me to pick a division, I was going to say my second place, close second place, was female Adam Weights in 1FC. I was going to say that that division, because that division is crazy too. But, you know, yeah. it, it, we're, we're not for lacking. You know, no. if you're an MMA fan, you're not lacking with entertainment. I, I do remember when they were saying the lightweight divi- I mean the the flyweight division for men was was actually weak and I did I totally disagreed I thought you know uh, uh, Benavides was good I thought you know they were, I mean well they were top heavy right Henry Cejudo yeah. like think of the lo- the laundry list of people he he beat um who's the guy he beat in four minutes and fifty nine seconds in the fifth round uh, uh, uh the, the Ray Borg. No, that Borg was Borg was the jumping, the jumping, the jumping flying box. suplex armbar. <laughs> who was who something was that if one? you and I rehearsed probably couldn't do. <laughs> no, never, not even a million years. No. Uh, yeah, okay, no, I can't remember Look, who that it'll, it'll, was. It Benavides? Maybe it was Benavides. No, or was no, it was it, Asian guy? No. It was a Korean fighter, um, or someone that looked Korean. But anyway, it'll. Anyways. I I guarantee between you and me, it'll pop in our head as we continue to our yeah, next yeah, subject yeah. matter. Okay, topic two. We are going to talk about the underdog. Okay, not the not the dog in the cartoon with a superhero cape fighting crime. We're talking underdogs in sports, more specifically the underdog in mixed martial arts, more specifically the underdogs in the UFC. I hope that doesn't mess with your pick. Um, now there are fighters that we as pundits and fans and purists and, and even other fighters cheer for in a fight even though in our heart of hearts we we know that they're not gonna win it's almost like watching diehard bruce willis you think this guy's gonna die but you cheer for him to live and, and because that's hollywood right they, 
he wins. But in mixed martial arts, you don't always have that happy ending for your underdog. But every now and then, those guys will surprise us, won't they? Every now and then, they'll say, hey, you know, you cheered for me and, and I came through. Just ask anyone from the Sarah Longo team. Sir, Sarah, Matt, Sarah, Ray Longo, uh, club, um, I guess, fighting team, um, their team in New York. Uh, just ask Chris Weidman, who's in that team. Just ask Aljo, Aljo Stirring. I don't think a lot of people picked Aljo to be to beat Jan. Uh, no, uh, just no, ask, no. How about Matt Sarah? Which his his victory over 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 George Saint Pierre was probably the biggest upset in the history of mixed martial arts. Not just the UFC. Nobody saw that coming. And. Yeah. And the Ultimate Fighter winners. It seems like everyone that wins an Ultimate Fighter scores an upset. Forrest Gr Griffin beat Shogun for the belt. Uh, Rashad Evans beat Forrest Griffin. Michael, how about left left hook Larry? Michael Bisbing? You know, yeah. I, I never thought I would be cheering for Bisbing. I mean, the first time that th those two fought, I was cheering for Rockhold, but he got so pompous. I'm just like, I wish some... And he yeah. stuck his chin out in the fight, and I'm like, I wish Bisbing had the power to knock him out and what a lot of people don't know is Bisbing's lefty he, he's he fights right hand yeah so that's right yeah left hook larry <laughs> so like but like topic one that was then and this is now so my question to you timmy b is what is the upset of the year as of this october we still got the 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 pay-per-view this weekend uh, and we still got november which i, I i'm gonna have a huge upset uh pick for that one the floor is yours my man oh boy i mean it's tough and uh going back through the records like it's hard to remember all the fights that we've watched and probably there has been better upsets than the one i'm gonna take um because i bet on this guy to win anyways because i thought it was gonna happen but I feel that the public did not. And so I I regret that you had already mentioned it, but I feel it's when uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley beat Aljo. I feel like that was really a stylistically horrible matchup for Sugar Sean. Again, the odds were greatly in my favor <laughs> to bet on this. It was big odds. Uh, I think Sugar Sean brought in a lot of charisma and attention to the fight and stuff like that. Aljo, for some reason, gets booed the hell out of everywhere he goes, even in his hometown. Like he's like right next door. He's in New Jersey or whatever, getting booed, uh, which is terrible for that dude because I do love him. But uh, I think that for me, that was the biggest upset. You know, it it changed the world of that bantamweight division because Aljo before that was saying, I will retire, win, lose or draw. Doesn't matter. I'm moving up. I'm leaving the division for Marab. And instead, what does he do? Now he's still stuck around. He's still begging for his rematch. He doesn't know what to do. He never thought he would lose like that. And Sugar Sean's sitting on top. So I think that was a very interesting uh, interesting uh, underdog yeah. coming up and, for that and, win and, yeah, in and, a title fight in the way he did it. Yeah, And he's Aljo's in, in dangerous territory right now because the most fighters, when they, they, they want that last fight back, most fighters who should, should be retiring, I'm not saying Aljo's retiring, but but in that category no. of that, there's this mentality like, hey, one more, one more, one more, and, and, and it doesn't always go their way. So I really hope he yeah. just moves on to the division. Give give Sugar Sean the, the rub, and maybe they'll have a, a super fight if Aljo's as good as he thinks he is for the featherweight division, perhaps, you know, or not. Um, yeah, that's no. just, yeah, it's just, <laughs> he's, right, not. So, he's not, so my biggest upset of the year, I was actually going to, going to go, um, okay, we're rolling. Are we rolling? Yeah. My biggest upset was, uh, was going to be Sean Strickland beating Israel Adesanya. But when you look at the way styles make fights, uh, it's not something that we're, we're terribly surprised. It's not something I saw coming, but I'm like, okay, all right, all right, boom. So I have to go your favorite division. I have to go uh, Shevchenko and, and Alexa Grasso. That match happened March 4th. Um, Alexa Grasso, we knew was, um, um, I got the name right before. I, I yeah, yeah, it. yeah. No, I, I can't believe that that was this year. Yeah, so that was March, I should have picked that's that. March 4th Shit. this year. And you, you look at Alexa Grasso and you look at, you, you see she's a very balanced fighter. She's got a nice, healthy um, repertoire of good submissions, good striking, good wrestling. And we've seen people that looked good and looked very good. And we've seen them fight Shevchenko and we've seen Shevchenko show that person that good or very good is not enough. Uh, and yet here yeah. we are. She scored a submission, which we thought she was in a, in, a, in a fortunate position in the fourth round to get the victory. And I guess proof, proof in the pudding is uh, nobody likes 
wants to have a draw, right? Because the draw goes back to the champion. But at the same time, she did not lose. So my upset of the year is congratulations to Alexa Grasso. Yeah, I mean, that's that that's true, man. That nobody saw that coming. Mm -hmm. Like, and Grasso too. Like, Grasso was not that impressive in all her other fights and wins. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't. It, again, I've said this too many times today, but it's unlike Mano Furat coming up. It's unlike Natalia Silva coming up. Those girls are knocking chicks out. They're submitting people in devastating fashion. Erin Blanchfield, just murderer's row she's going through and taking everybody out. Grasso wasn't like that. She didn't have that aura of like killer instinct. You didn't see it. She it might be because she's so cute. You know what I mean? Like, she's just such a good looking girl. And, and every time my wife walks by, she goes, oh, that's the pretty one. Right. Yeah, like, that's like, how my wife knows yeah, her, you know, we, like take her home and give her a bath or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like cute. You know? Yeah. Like she's just yeah, like, oh, that's that good looking girl. You know, like that's yeah. that's how she recognizes her. But so for her to come up and get that win, I mean, insane. And in the way she did it, too, is beautiful. And then to defend it, regardless of whether it's a draw or whatever, to defend it the way she did. Hey man, she deserves that title belt and uh good for her. What's one of your more favorite upsets? We'll go really quick before we go to our next topic. When like when it comes to mind like of all time. Not kind of all of thing? time. No, just like something that comes to mind. For example, I, I was when we were having this conversation and we were talking about the Bantamweight division and the featherweight division, I was thinking about TJ beating um uh Henan Barrow. Um and, yeah, and just that's an old school. And and looked and just his striking and his balance and his slips in and out looked very dominant cruise like, right? And and he did it twice. But I was I was so impressed that everybody was like, Okay, this is just another, you know, another body for um Hen and Barrow to bury, right? And and then my other one, I think of Forrest Griffin, because I think we talked about him on the last podcast when um when he when he signed to fight Shogun, everyone went to Dana White and said, "What did what did Forrest ever do to you?" <laughs> yeah. So you like, what's one of, of your guy. first? What's one of your first one that comes to mind? What's your prisoner of the moment right now? Uh, um, probably yeah, probably probably one, and that's only because I was not educated myself. I mean, this was a time when there was no internet per se or like social media wasn't a thing but back when anderson silva made his debut and fought chris lieben chris lieben was on a tear and he was the guy and he was the crippler and he was the guy that would go through wars and whatever and then you know you bring in this lanky brazilian dude who has like a very high-pitched voice and you're just like all right what mm. like really what is this you know Act, and then acting like just, you don't speak english go ahead <laughs> and then starched him like like it was a brutal beating and it and it and it paved the path for what was like a decade of dominance from Anderson Silva. So to me, I mean, watching it in my no cell phone era time on a you know on a non-widescreen TV on Spike TV. Yes. And seeing that fight, you couldn't believe what you're doing. You were picking up your landline, calling people, going, Did you just see that? Yeah. Right. Because we did we had no clue who Anderson Silva was. We didn't know where he was coming from no call it what it is call it what it is we we yeah call it what it is we we watched spike tv that night because chris we knew chris lieben was fighting of course chris lieben was on the ultimate fighter his star power um had this perfect storm and the timely knockouts like you said even 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 some of the fights after um anderson silva like of course like martin uh, uh, like he knocked out martin looked like he was in trouble the third round and just boom um he yeah it was pretty good he fought vanderley silva i think beat Vanderlei Silva yeah. and, and then and then went on after what well, like with some crushing uppercuts and then went on you know even after his UFC career goes into BKFC and goes two for three in BKFC and retires on a on a good win in BKFC yeah couldn't write a better story yeah he's you the, know god he's the guy where you everyone thinks he's like the bad guy but then you see him on the show and you empathize all of a sudden you you find yourself cheering for this guy that you weren't cheering for in the yeah. beginning <laughs> he was the snooky of the ultimate fighter <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was he was Snooky before there was a Snooky. <laughs> Snooky is the crippler. Nice. That's what it is. Dude. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's go to our UFC pick six. And because you and I both agree that there weren't actually six fights worthy to be a pick six, we're only gonna do five and we're gonna do a match that's flying under the radar, a relatives unknown. So we're gonna we're gonna get our six, but for our for our audience, the sixth fight is not part of our pick six. It's just a fight. We're we're not we may or may not just pick pick a winner, but we we 
um, watch this one. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like a watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going. All right. So let's start. Um, I, I usually go from bottom to top, but this, but let's go top to bottom. Let's start with the main event. Let's start with Al Alexander Volkanovsky. Once again, challenging um, Islam Makachev for the lightweight title. This is a rematch. This is part two and a very, very um, exciting match. And many people considered razor close. And even some thought that Volkanovsky uh, won. I myself thought, uh, Makachev did enough to win, but it is what it is. So we're gonna go. Sp we're gonna split sixty seconds. Um, you go first. Who's who wins this fight, or who has the best shot? I got. I, I'm going with Makachev. I okay. think Volkanovski. Look, conspiracy theory. Timmy B's coming out. I think they pay Volkanovski to come up, take this on short notice, mm -hmm. tell him, dude, don't worry about it. This doesn't decrease your stock. We're going to actually give you a little bonus if you come in here and just fight this guy. Okay, cool, cool. Wink, wink. I think. I think Volkanovski's going in there. He'll try hard. But he's not going to win. I don't think he's expecting to win. I don't think anybody's expecting him to win. I think if there's any side deals to be had in the back, those deals have been had. And I, I would put my money on Makachev. Yeah, I go I with Makachev as well. Um, everyone's talking about all the adjustments Volkanovski needs to make against Makachev to win the second fight. And, and no one takes into account the adjustments that Makachev's team um, also takes, right? They're, the team and the training and the preparation that he that he does to prepare for fights, uh, to my surprise, an undefeated fighter, right? Or no, he lost one. Um, that it's the one thing that no one's talking about. Everyone's talking about changes that he has to make, but you you, you have to remember that this guy is undefeated and he's in the, he's in the most no. savage division. And, and he showed some of his, very much like Khabib, he showed his best stuff in championship scenarios against Barboza, against, um, you know, uh, it, was, it was- He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, remember he had a full training camp, mm -hmm. right? That's another thing. Remember, he's had a full training camp for a five round title fight, Volkanovski has not. That's gotta play a factor too. Right. Uh, it, he's, that's his natural weight class. Right. That is not Volkanovski's. I think there's too many variables at play that leads to Volkanovski not winning this rematch. And I also think it's terrible for Volkanovski to take this on such short notice because if you lose this, you are never getting a trilogy fight. Right. And 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 he'll be in featherweight indefinitely, right? It's not something where 155 would welcome uh, someone back that's that skipped the line twice, right? That that jumped. You the can't line. skip it three times. Yeah. Not even Connor yeah. could do that. <laughs> I mean yeah. well maybe no, Connor. You cannot do that. But I yeah. do I do like that Volkanovsky, like in that camp city city fighting sports, he if you look at his lineup of fighters that shaped his his fighting personality and aura to what it is now, right? Max Holloway three times, Brian Ortega, you got good strikers, you got good submission submission guys and I really haven't seen someone that he's fought that that had the wrestling or the sambo or or whatever the hell's going on in Dagestan, Russia, whatever the hell they call that. Um, bear, let's call it bear wrestling, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cub cub wrestling. Uh, that that kind of wrestler's freakish strength that Volkanovski has not um, ever seen in his fighting career and probably won't ever see again. Uh, um, I mean, considering the featherweight division. Yep. All right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go fight number two. I bring your attention to actually, I was going to scroll it on the screen, but I like our faces that um, so much better. We got Kamaro Usman against Kamshat Shemaev. Okay. Um, I'll go first on the minute. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave you the last 30 seconds. I remember Kamshat Shemaev fighting Gilbert Burns, and I remember Gilbert Burns giving him everything he can handle in a match that I thought that Burns won. They, they, it was a unanimous decision, and I felt like a, some moron that, does, that, that, that knows nothing about MMA, and I'm like, how did Gilbert Burns not win that fight? So you take all of the things that Kamaru Usman did to Gilbert Burns, and I don't see him not trying to do that or doing that against Kamshat Shemaev. Um, it might work or it might not work. Take into account it's the middleweight division, but I'm going with Kamaru. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same. I got Kamaru Usman against everything that I just said about taking a fight on short notice, etc., etc. I do think Kamaru Usman poses a more interesting challenge for Kamzat. I feel like Kamzat's very cocky. I feel like I don't know what his mentality is for training. Usman has not just the wrestling to combat 
Kamzat, but he also has the striking power as we've seen. So I do think Usman with his uh, previous championship experience, with his mentality, with his strength of mind, I think is going to be able to tackle Kamzat and beat him and cause a big problem in the middleweight division because that's going to really just mess things up. I also wouldn't be surprised if neither fighter um, goes for more than one takedown in this this three round fight. I remind everybody, right? It's almost like seems like a championship thing, right? Is, or is it five rounds? No, no. I no. think it's I think it's only three rounds. But I think so. I don't know. I, I might go. I might go the opposite because I think all you've got to do is ground someone, lay and prey on them for you know a good four minutes in the first round, of four minutes in the second. And you've won that fight. Like, you I mean, don't have if, to do too much. If it's a fight that Camaro desires uh, to fight, in which he desires to fight future fights in the middleweight division, uh, and, and he's looking for the win more than just an exciting fight, I might agree with you. But I think Camaro, uh, he, I think he has some unfinished business. I don't know if he talked to the media about staying at middleweight, but um, there's almost a sense of unfinished business, um, especially if Kobe Covington beats um, uh, uh Sorry, who's the current fighter? Leon Edwards, Edwards, Leon Edwards. I think they did say, I think Dana has been quoted as saying that the winner of this fight gets next title shot after Colby Leon. Yeah, and that's, so, and that's deserving. It's deserving. I'm, well, I, yeah, sure, I guess. I mean, Kamaro's not technically a middleweight, but I guess if you're going to come up and beat Kamzat, no, oh, I so, guess you deserve it. Oh, you're talking about contendership for middleweight? No, come, Dana should not do that. Uh, no, that's what I, no, that's what they're, Wait, this is a middleweight fight, right? Right, but they're both welterweights. So. Oh, wait, who are they getting a title? I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought I heard that they're getting a title shot, but whatever. Okay. Just edit this out so it makes me look. Ah. <laughs> There's nothing I can say. I think it's, say. I think it's, I think it's a title. I think this is, I swear, I think they said that this is a title contender. Right. And it, oh, and it would it be is. for middleweight. I'm actually looking right now. I got my, my fact check people here. Um, mm -hmm. And according to Wikipedia, the fight is expected to serve as a UFC middleweight title eliminator. Leave that other part in there. I sound super smart now. Yes. Hold on. I got to get the whole shot of Fight Insight podcast. Got to get the whole picture. There he is. Timmy <laughs> B, baby. There we go. <laughs> Dude, I got to get some music for if I'm going to continue to do new music, if I'm going to continue to do uh, Sports Debate Tuesday. I was thinking Step Into a New World by KRS-One. I actually, reached, oh, I, like I actually that. reached out to them for for the rights to the song for uh, the first sixteen seconds. You know, step nice. into a world, and then yes, yeah. yes, y'all, you don't stop. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's such a great intro, and and whatever you do on the video that's in conjunction with that, it doesn't only helps, doesn't it just, hurt, right? Yeah, 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 strong. Yes. Yeah, so um, we are going to fight number three of our pick six or pick five, uh, um, parentheses six. We have Magomed and Ankalov. <laughs> Makes you shake your head. Uh, going against Johnny Walker. You go first, my man. Floor's I only need like two seconds. Ankalov. There's. I don't see how. I don't see how Johnny Walker has a chance. Johnny Walker is so streaky with his performances. Sometimes he looks like the next big thing. Other times he looks like a has been. Ankalov is just gonna maul this dude. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see Johnny Walker having any chance in this. Not even close. Well, good. I'm glad you left me <laughs> just the amount of uh, amount of time for me to entertain our audience and then go with your pick anyway. All right. So let's talk about Johnny Walker since you talked about Ankalov. Johnny Walker winners of his last three. You know, Kutalabas. You know, not top of the division, but not a scrub either. Uh, Anthony Smith, probably not one of your favorite fighters, but still a top ten. And all of these fighters, I believe that Ankalov's already beaten. Kotalabas he's beaten twice. And if you t and if as far as styles making matchups, you couldn't pick a worse matchup for Johnny Walker. But uh, I'm no. glad uh, I'm glad that he won in the fights to earn the right to lose. I think Ankalov is the uncrowned champion uh, in a fight against Jan Blachowicz. That after the fight, even Blachowicz himself said he didn't win that fight. That fight was a draw. And and this guy kind of is the uncrowned champion. And I really hope he wins because he just deserved to face Jamel Hill. And and that's the match that's going to make a lot of money for the UFC if he if he wins this. Well, honest, whoa, I'll take that back. Let's say Johnny Walker wins. That's Johnny Walker would be a more sellable fight. Yeah. And I do think the audience is going to get a little bit bothered if we just continue to see the same type of fighter in each division achieve success. So, like, if, if all we have is a bunch of Makachevs, 
Right. Right. It it does water down, I feel, the product a little bit. I also think Johnny Walker, just with his look and his style, is a lot more sellable to the average Joe walking down the street. If right. you see Jamal Hill with his dad bod and his funny attitude and his funny jokes that this dude does, I mean, he's incredible mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like outside of fighting character. Jamal Hill is sellable by by all means. He's incredible. And then you put him up against Johnny Walker. Very, very interesting fight. And that's going to be a stand up war. I, I honestly don't really care to see Ankalev just wrestle Jamal Hill for five rounds, you know, so. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see how Jamal Hill does against someone uh, uh, of that, whatever. Is, is Ankalev um, also a Dagestani fighter? Ah, no, he's got the beard. He's got the beard. He's so got he's, the, the Keebler, close enough. The Keebler elf, right? No mustache, <laughs> no Nabisco shredded wheat beard. What the hell's wrong with y'all, man? Grow a goddamn mustache, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, add to it. <laughs> yeah, that's a religion thing, man. Choose another religion, man. Y- y'all just look yeah, ridiculous. I, I mean, I ain't going to say to none of their faces, and they all look alike. So I don't, I'm, I'm, <laughs> so now, from now on, I'm going to walk down the street. If I see someone like that, I'm going to run because that could be someone of the fight. One of the, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be we, we recognize, but damn, they all look alike. <laughs> yeah i just think i just think if you're trying to sell your product to the market you're trying to sell it uh-huh. you need to put on exciting matches and i don't know that that style is going to get you a lot and i don't know that you want to end successive pay-per-views with that kind of matchup like if you're selling that product and you're like okay for the next three months my pay-per-views are all going to be headlined by makachev uh ankalev and nurmagomedov Ugh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. I can see a market for it, but hemor- I can also see. I can see some... div- yeah, and an already hemorrhaging division, right? So I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a uh, fight number four of our pick six. I bring you um, Ikram Aliskarov versus Worley Alves. I'll go first on this one, and I'll give you the rest of the time. I don't think either one of us are going to need a whole minute on this. Uh, I'm going to go Aliskarov, right? He's, he, I believe he's an undefeated fighter. I'm going to check his record or have my people check his record. 14-1, uh, and one, right? He lost to Kamjat Shemayov by, by, by KO. But this dude's been on a roll. He's a submission machine. He's gnarly. It looks like he has a third hand when he's, when he's grappling against you. Like you have two hands and you trapped, you trapped both hands. You got it covered all of a sudden. Watch this. This third hand comes out of nowhere like this. You're like, where'd that come from? So against a guy who um, is probably the UFC singing his swan song. Uh, Worley Alves, this is a swan song. He he's, hasn't had a lot of wins and he's gone. He's probably gone after this. I hate to say yeah. that. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know where he is on his contract or, or whatnot, but this doesn't seem like a favorable matchup for him and doesn't even seem one, honestly, that he's really earned because aside from just being a lamb to the slaughter, he's two and four in his last six mm-hmm. uh, with wins over guys that I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think this is just one of those ones where you're just kind of propping up the one guy. Uh, this may be the last fight of this contract or something like that, but I don't expect Worley Alves to win, and I feel like it's a safer bet the other way. Yeah, um, I agree. Hey, let's move on. <laughs> fight number yeah. five. Um, Worley Alves. Uh, uh, um, sorry, Worley was actually Kobe Covington's only loss before he um, fought um, Kamaru Usman for the title. They both only had one loss, and and <laughs> and they're like, wait, who is the one guy to beat those guys? So I, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. So, so let's go into fight number five. I bring your attention to Mohamed Makayev against Tim Elliott. Um, who do you got on this? Uh, so Tim Elliott, I love. I love his style. I love his song choice of walkout music. It's a song called I Love Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. I love that song uh, by Kennedy. I forget the guy's name by something Kennedy. It's a great song. I love that walkout song. Uh, Muhammad Makayev, though, is a phenom. And um, when we had John Gooden on our podcast, he was singing this dude's praises. And that was a year and a half ago. And he was saying that this kid is the guy to watch out for, that he's seen him train in person, that he's seen his dedication and and everything. And he's continued to live up to. He's 10-0. Book it. Makayev with the win. Easy. 
Well, you spoke about this fighter a year and a half ago. Let's go from a year and a half ago to the to the present. You look at his last three fights, Charles Johnson, um, um, Gordon, and Filio, um, all impressive wins. Um, one was a, a decision, but it was a, it was actually a fun decision to watch. I mean, a lot of people don't like decisions unless they're like they're like rock, rock 'em sock 'em robots. But that was really yeah. really cool. That was like an education and a schooling to be, to show that the casual fan who thinks they can do this is like, no, I'm not getting <laughs> I'm not getting in the cage with that guy. Yep, I'm going with yeah. you all the way. So, and Tim Elliott, hey, ultimate fighter, uh, um, bites down in his mouthpiece when he needs to. Uh, gave Demetrius Johnson, if you remember everything you can handle, a little scary moment for us because we're big DJ fans. You remember he won the show. And we're, and when we saw him like doing good things in the first round, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. What's no. happening? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So fights to watch under the radar. I really, really try to look for this one. And and the only one I can come up with was Nathaniel Wood. Nathaniel Wood, okay. um, I mean, looking looking at his, his last few fights right now, he fought Feely, you know, he fought um, uh, Jordan, he fought Charles Rosa, um, this, you know, unanimous decision. And, and I, I'm I'm not talking about the fight to watch in terms of both fighters. I'm talking about the fight to watch. Watch where this guy goes every fight until until he gets to where he has to go to whatever end. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Four and one in his last five. Yeah, yeah dude's a good dude. Uh, lots of decisions, though, is my problem with this guy. You want me to give you my pick for fight to yeah, watch? Do it. Let's do it. <clears throat> We're sharing my fight. To, <laughs> my fight to watch is a is a terrible one, but it's probably the one that's going to open up the early prelims, which is uh, Victoria Dudakova versus Jin Yu Frey. I'll tell you, Jin Yu Frey has had real uh, problems in the UFC. She's coming off being an Invicta champion, comes into the UFC and has just not been able to find success. She's now eleven and nine, and she's fighting a girl that's seven and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I don't see Jin Frey getting it done, and I think uh, this is just going to be Victoria just kind of highlighting what she can do. The only reason I'm calling this out on your podcast is so people know to take that bet. If you're doing a parlay, just add Victoria to it because it's kind of like, I don't know what the odds are for that, but that's probably a guaranteed win for you. So you're welcome. Yes. Are you kidding? That is freaking awesome. So let's go. Actually. Oh, cool. Well, I haven't done this in a minute. <laughs> All right, so we bring you, that's the end of our pick six, and good job you and me because we couldn't find a match of interest as, as, our, as our six, and but at the same time, educate the audience on what on what to watch. But hey, this is one of my favorite sections, uh, and I love this for football, but today we're doing this for mixed martial arts. Ladies and gentlemen, topic number four, I bring you to shame or not to shame. Shame, shame, shame. 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 <laughs> All right. Hey, 60 seconds to shame or not to shame. I just wanted to have a little fun with this. This is not something worthy of talking about on an on a intellectually tickling level or not, because you and I can have fun in an insurance seminar. So so let's give it a go on this one. Topic number four. And I, I want you to pick one and I'll pick the other. To shame or not to shame? Which one was more shameful? Was it Stoolgate with um uh, uh, with Yoel Romero, or was it Scalegate with Daniel Cormier? Shame. <laughs> not bad. Shame. Not yet, honey. <laughs> she said, "I said it's shame." My turn. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So I'm picking the one that I think is the most shameful. Yeah. The most it's shameful the, of the two. It's 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 the scale gate for me by far <laughs> is the scale gate. But here's but here's the thing though. I'm not shaming Daniel Cormier. I'm shaming the UFC because how are we able to send a man to the moon but not figure out how to create a barrier so we don't have to see someone naked on a scale? Like this whole thing is so stupid. The fact that like they have to hold these little towels around uh, Misha Tate while she takes her clothes off, you know. <sighs> A, figure out how to buy a cardboard box and put it around them so that it fits around them, which I have seen now, I think they start to do. Or B, how about you weigh the the weight of the underwear that they're wearing? You're wearing Venom-sponsored clothing. It can only be Venom clothing, I think, when they're weighing in. So, like, know the weight of these freaking garments and deduct it. 
Yeah. Is that an athletic commission Bumble. thing or the UFC? Uh, I believe so. Here's a, can I do a little side thing here? Mm-hmm. I was uh, I got my first commentary gig last month. I flew out to Nova Scotia and I was a commentator for a BJJ pay per view uh, with Fight League Atlantic. Shout out to them. Uh, on the Friday of that weekend, I also hosted the weigh ins of their MMA pay per view that they did. And there I got to meet the Nova Scotia Combat Commission. They were, I mean, they were on their bleep like they had everything lined up to a t those commission guys they came in they had everything set they had their rules everything that happened with that way and and this is you know a small east coast promotion was strictly done by the commission so when we see these things happening the with the weigh-ins and stuff like that that's on the commission they're in control of that i i rest that solely on them to figure this shit out right that was to me it was funny just watching daniel cormier it was like weekend at Bernie's. Like you're watching a movie, but everyone gets a joke. They all, everyone knows the man is dead, right? Like so, any any like movie critic that it's, was like the audience would have to be absolutely stupid to not know the man's dead. It's a comedy, of course we know the man's dead, and everybody knew what was happening with Daniel Cormier putting both hands on it. And did you see him pump his fist when he made weight? Like like he actually put the words. He's in. later. <laughs> he's later come out to say he knew it was like a fraud, right? Like it's it's so baloney. It's so stupid. But the, the shame is on, yeah. I'm saying the UFC, because UFC, you need to buy something to put around these people so yeah. that that can't happen. And and or B, weigh the goddamn clothes. Yeah. I don't understand why I can't do that. And let's not cover up Misha Tate. We don't have to do that. We can just. Yeah, I mean, we're all grownups like here. If she drops it, she drops it. But yeah, All right, my no. turn. So I'm going to go shame on the athletic commission, which means I'm going to go shame on the first part of this, of this two part choice. I'm going to go shame for on Stoolgate. If I'm taking you guys back before some of you maybe may or may not have watched this. Yo Romero fought one of my favorite fighters in that division at the time, Tim Kennedy, a badass former Green Beret. Uh, Tim Kennedy convincingly lost the first round and somewhere in the second round generated some momentum, got some timely shots and with a few seconds left looked like he was going for the finish and then the bell rang. So Yoel Romero sits on this chair and when when it's time to go back, he doesn't get up from the chair. And the whole time the referee is saying, you got to get up, you got to get up. And he brought he bought at least 35, 40 extra seconds to recover, knowing, uh, knowing and, and we both noticed, if he got up yeah. and went right back in, it would have been more of the same. It probably would have been the first time, uh, to my memory, that we saw Yo, Yo Romero finished uh, 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 by KRTK. I don't think I've ever seen that before. He's, he's got a strong chin, but I thought... When you're talking about wins and losses, when you're talking about rankings, and you're talking about people losing their momentum, that, that was a very, very unfair thing that happened to Tim Kennedy. Shame, shame, shame on the athletic commission and a referee who didn't, who, who didn't have the balls to say, you know, sh- should or get off the pot or, or, or you're DQ'd. You know, so that that was my shame or no shame. I mean, uh, but Daniel Cormier, it makes us angry and laugh at the same time with, with his finger, look, with the fingers like this, look, look, the fingers like, and then, no, but then when he weighs in, he pumps his fist and like celebrates like he actually did the work to lose that way. You know, what are you pumping your fist? What are you puffing your chest for, Daniel Cormier? Oh, come on, man. Ryan Clark, talk to him. <laughs> Embarrassing. Embarrassing. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> oh my God, that was great. Um, so, oops. So let's move on. Actually, I want to make sure I have this. I have a subject matter called "Quick Question." Oh, there it is. I got you, buddy. So, ladies and gentlemen, the last sub uh, topic, topic number five. Me and Timmy B from the Fight Insight Podcast. I bring you. Quick question. Well, there's something I'll fix on the edit. <laughs> Timmy B, quick question. Yeah. Um, actually, we're going to go 60 seconds on this and we're going to bang out six of them in 60 seconds. So let's go to my minute clock again. Sorry, buddy. And we got it. So 60 seconds and go, Timmy. Quick question. Lightning rounds. Would 
who would be a great fight for Raul Rosas? Rosas the next one. Me or any other idiot for you, with for you. Uh, no, I'm saying me. He should fight me or whatever other can the UFC can find. You need to right. pump this kid up. If they want that, you cannot risk him losing. You gotta give him just schlubs. Oh, I say feed him the Sanhagen. Is Connor done with um <laughs> You're <laughs> is, terrible? Is Connor... You're terrible. <laughs> is Connor done with MMA? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Quick question. Did the judges get Barbosa versus Yusuf right last weekend? Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I thought four to one personally. Do you have Volk winning the last fight against Makachev? Ah, no. I'll say no. Me neither. Um if Stipe wins, is it really an upset? It will be the greatest upset in the history of the planet. Wow. Yeah. And as we count down, I'd like to see, and we're done with topic five on our horn. Let's honk it. Let's talk a little bit about that. And I, I, I definitely want to do another sports debate Tuesday with you before before that pay-per-view happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but segue to that, I would like to say that it's so disrespectful but i know they got to do what they got to do to talk about who jones is fighting next after november we all we want to make this fight happen you know is he gonna is he gonna um fight you know francis and ganu i can't wait to see that fight for the belt you know and ganu's like i don't care about the belt and this and that and i'm just like dude you got a guy who actually has a victory <laughs> a high iq victory over francis and ganu i mean geez how, how short pe are people's memory that that they forgot that he pressured and actually ragdolled Nganu that for five rounds. Uh, um, guys, look at Francis Nganu's win-loss record. It's one of the losses. Right. And it was so bad, he, he lost the next fight to Derek Lewis because he was scared to get off uh, uh, because he'd be the victim of the constant pressure that was provided by the reigning defending champ at the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The problem I got with Stipe is that, you know, he hasn't won a fight since 2023. Right. Since I don't, 2021, sorry, right? sorry, since 2020. Right. He hasn't won a fight since 2020. So three years he's gone without a, a win. Right. His last two wins are against Daniel Cormier, who Who's not even ostensi ostensibly yeah. is a light heavyweight. He's not even a heavyweight. He is. You know what I mean? He is. He was undefeated, okay, he was undefeated I, as sure. a heavyweight. He beat Josh sure, Barnett. But, sure, right? but look at him. But yeah. look at him. He's not He's not your typical heavyweight. That's great that he finds success and all power to him. But his last two wins are against Cormier. So his last real win against a true-sized heavyweight is 2018 against Francis Ngannou. I, this guy's been gone forever. He has a horrible personality. I hate the way he treats his wife on embedded episodes. Uh, I don't like this guy. I just don't like him. I think he's coming in for an easy payday to go in there and get murdered by John Jones in the first round. I don't see this being competitive in the least. And I think he's just going in there for a payday. I, and, and I think it's just a, a marketable fight because everybody calls Stipe the, the greatest of all time heavyweight. And I think this is an easy way for them to give Jones a win to then claim that title, even though GOAT status doesn't transfer via wins, right? I, but I'm, yeah, I'm that, so that's glad. what they were doing this for. This is an uninteresting yeah. fight to me in the least. I hate both of the people, actually, both personally, like John Jones and Stipe. I just don't find either of them great people, and I could care less about this fight. But Jones is going to win it by far. Stipe has no chance. And every I, I can't go farther farther the opposite way with this. I think every time every time Stipe feels like he's being disrespected, he comes up with a performance that surprises a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, we the man's only lost four fights. He's lost, uh, I believe, a very a close fight to Junior Dos Santos, which he avenged. He lost to Stefan Struve in the beginning when you know sometimes long arms happen, right? <laughs> even though Mark, yeah, yeah, even sure. though Mark yeah. Hunt found a way to uppercut Stefan Struve, and he lost a fight to Daniel Cormier. Everyone gets caught. Daniel. Cormier has knockout power in both hands at, at, at a heavier division where he doesn't have to eat a salad. Um, and you take into consideration that, uh, one, Daniel Cormier fought a lot of heavy people. So, I mean, he's fought Derek Lewis, but I'm not talking about him right now. When you take into consideration that three title defenses uh, is, is a record <laughs> in, the, in a division where anyone can get caught, uh, right. I, I'm not a moron. I know that John Jones is the favorite to win this. I know John Jones, um, um, uh, he has a very strategic camp, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him fight um, fisticuffs with, um, instead of, you know, going the wrestling and grappling like he did with Cyril Gaon. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised 
to see him do I, I guess you know that stomping on the knee kick that he does. I don't know what the hell that's called, but it should be yeah, illegal. yeah, yeah. The should be kick. illegal, yeah. <laughs> man. That should yeah. be illegal, dude. Yeah, that but, is gross. It damages yeah. you real bad. Um, I will say too, Stipe is forty-one years old. Yep. Right now, but that's I have average for heavyweight. <laughs> but I have passed the forty-year-old uh, threshold myself. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I will tell you for those that aren't forty yet your body just declines terribly after 40. Like you wake up with injuries that you never knew you had. You wake up with pain. You don't heal the same way anymore. You're a volleyball guy. I got this injury in volleyball where my tendon snapped over my finger. It just doesn't heal anymore. It doesn't go straight anymore, no matter what happens. Stipe being 41, fighting a 36 or 37-year-old John Jones who's, you know, high on life, high on his energy – there's a big difference when you're around that age and when you're on that side of 40. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard. Well, I believe the average age was John. John Jones is 37 now. The average age of the last few champions was 37 years old, right? Too bad Randy Couture, Randy Couture had to change that average up. I think he was like 44 years he old. He rounded it up by a yeah, lot. Yeah. He kind of really yeah. did, right? But like, I just, I just think age is a factor. It is, except for, except for the heavyweight division. They're all old. <laughs> if you're if you're continually competing, I don't right. know where Stipe trains. I don't know who he trains with. Right. Like when you look, you know, when you think about everybody else and you know they're at aka or you know they're at uh american top team or you know they're at mma masters like these guys are at big gyms i never really recall where stipe trains i don't recall that he trains with a bunch of other ufc guys because he's in cleveland i don't know what yeah. i don't know what he's doing but you got to be in that grind day to day to be able to keep your body in that shape that you need to now of course he's a world champion he's going to do it but i just three years away from his last win uh, yeah I mean, it's a long time, dude. It's a long time. I something else people need to take into account is we 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 have a you have a hard stop, so we're gonna get out of here. Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't even want it to be this long. It's just MMA happens. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, MMA, I'm sorry. No, but MMA happens, right? Uh, yeah. uh, something I, I would like to finish with, and I'll give you the last word on this. The one thing that people don't talk about with John Jones that brings him to the table and makes him so hard to kill more than Steven Seagal is. The guy, he's got a strong chin. John Jones, I want to talk about his chin. He's got his mouthpiece knocked out by Daniel Cormier. The thing flew 20 feet in the air. He's gotten caught by a Dominic Reyes. And the guy yeah. shows that he can take a hit. So, I, look, the only chance I gave Stipe is Stipe has power in both hands. He's got that back pedal left, the uh, left that actually stuns people. Um, he actually loaded up and caught Francis Ngannou. If you remember, before he went in for the kill, um, he thought he had Zangano rocked so where he can do yeah. that, and he was wrong. But you, you, you know, when you saw, when you saw even a god king could bleed, you gave Stephen Miocic home, uh, um, hope on that, right? So, right. So, but John Jones, I wanted to talk about his ability to. Uh, he's got a chin, man. I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah, well, when you you've had the career he has, and you know, you've 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 trained and trained, and you've you know he if you think about it like yeah okay those few fights that you're talking about where he's where John Jones has been hit and stuff like that but he hasn't taken a lot of damage over his career no. either Gustafson. he was very dom he was yeah. very dominating as a light heavyweight and he did not take a lot of damage so when you think about that longevity over the years in the sport you know he hasn't taken those hits so there's that benefit as well for him yeah i agree there's there's something to be said about not actually <laughs> coming out of fights where like you don't have i mean where you're still fresh you're like jeez yeah. i want to take another fight now that i did this long ass training camp can i can i fight someone else tonight you know yeah. so yeah. all right so cool uh timmy b fight and sight podcast um and mm. anybody want to keep up with this guy talk talk to him about it before we go Talk to him about it. How do how do they follow you again? So yeah, come on over. Find me at Fight Insight Podcast. You can find me at Fight Insight Podcast on Instagram, Fight Insight Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, wherever, anywhere you get a podcast, you'll find us. But Instagram is my main hub. That's where I interact with our fans, viewers, and listeners. Uh, every week we're on episode one forty one. This week wow. we had uh, 
CEO and president of Invicta Fighting Champions, Shannon Knapp. She was our guest this week, so she was incredible. We've had incredible guests every week. Chris Lieben was my guest just a few weeks ago talking about how he's oh an official now. So God. I we have see. great people every week. We have great conversation. My co-host now for the last little while is a ring announcer for Up Next Fighting down in California, an MMA uh, ring announcer. So she's fantastic. Uh, come on and join us. You know, if you come because you saw me on this podcast, please say hello and let me know that's where you found me from uh i owe jason five dollars for every fan that does that that's what he made me sign i don't know if that's a legally binding contract but uh do find me there it's it's good fun man even if you don't know mma and if you don't know mma i don't know why you were listening to this whole talk but if you don't know mma it doesn't matter we talk about a whole bunch of nonsense educational stuff uh important stuff but you don't have to be like a diehard fan to watch our podcast so please check us out thank you Awesome. It has been an absolute pleasure having you back on the show. I mean, the first time we did it, we bounced on a lot of subjects, but this thing, I mean, you keep me organized. So, so for all, I love you, it, dude. I love yes. your podcast. I yeah. love it. I watch your other stuff. I do enjoy yeah. the way that you talk, the professionalism mm -hmm. of you. I've been a guest on a lot of podcasts and dude, I do enjoy yours. One of the most because of the professionalism and just the structure that you have around it, I think it's really good. It's very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable to listen to. I'm going to, don't make me, I'm going to cry. You know what uh, I was, do you know what I was going to say? I was going to say, Timmy B might love you, but uh, to the audience, but I can't stand you. But now I can't say that anymore. I love you guys too. All right. Timmy D did it, did it to me. He did it for you. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPhone, phones ipads for all of you on your desktop which i'm looking at who runs the world old school baby for my man timmy b this is episode 97 of sports debate tuesday i'm gonna hit my music we are out of here come check out the option podcast on optiondb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear